Joe Sackick will come out to receive it as captain. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Marks! Uh, and I'll tell you, folks, that had to be one of my uh, my favorite moments uh, being a hockey fan. Of course, I grew up in Boston, so grew up watching Ray Bork uh, play for the Boston Bruins in the old Boston Garden. I was actually out there in Denver when that happened, uh, when the man we're welcoming on right now to the Bruins beat on CLNS Media, finally won the Stanley Cup after 22 years. And uh, Ray, I'm sure every time the playoffs roll around, that memory goes uh, flying through your head, eh? Uh, it certainly does, and um, it's it's a special one, and one that took me uh, <laughs> a long time to uh, experience, but uh, when it happened, it was well worth it, and um, I'll tell you, it's so hard to win when people say that, you know, you got to go four rounds, and in and, and hockey, I think there's there's no sport like it in terms of uh, the battles and, and just the... Uh, you know, that whole ride that you have to go through before you hoist that Stanley Cup. And, you know, I went to two Stanley Cup finals with the Bruins and we didn't come close playing Edmonton. But, uh, you know, being able to play game seven in Denver and knowing that you have a chance to, to hoist the cup if you win the game was pretty special. Yeah, it was something. And, of course, you know the whole city of Boston was cheering for you then. And I, I actually – a funny story, Ray. I'll, I'll, I'll tell it quick. I, My friend had just <laughs> – uh, to Denver after I graduated from UMass Amherst a uh, year before. And he's uh, managing a sports bar. And then he, he, his owner said, hey, I got extra tickets to game seven. So I literally flew out the day before thinking I had tickets. And got to Denver and found out when I got there that they, they fell through. So we ended up watching it in a uh, sports bar in Aurora, Colorado. And then I was, I was at the parade a couple days later. And, man, I, I will never forget how hot it was at that parade. I'm sure you remember uh, yeah, it was a beautiful day. We all had sunglasses, and <laughs> we uh, were feeling pretty uh, pretty good after celebrating for a couple of days. But oh, I I'll tell you, um, that whole parade, um, you know, was was just an incredible experience. But one that I um, I really thought about. So many ex teammates that I played with in Boston, and I could what I was telling myself. I'm like, can you imagine this in Boston? Oh yeah, and um, and everything you know, uh, winning and all that stuff. I had a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts about people that I played with, and going to the two cup finals, and then living the parade, and you just like you're you're just so disappointed that you weren't able to experience this somewhere else that you spent so so many uh, special years uh, at. So um, you know, it was uh, it was one that I was so happy to live, but one that I wish I could have lived more often. And, of course, that was before the Red Sox and the Patriots had got going, right? I mean, the next fall, I think, the next Well, season, I'd like, I'd like to think that I, I broke the curse. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so Mayor Menino, um, my agent got a call asking if I'd be willing to come to Boston and, and they'd have something for me at City Hall. Yeah. And I was very uh, leery about it because I didn't want to – you know, I didn't want to embarrass the Bruins or nothing like that. And he said, what about, you know, I'll, I'll talk to Michael Connell and Harry and see if they're, you know, they're okay with it. And Mike came back and he said he was fine with it. So we did it. And there was like, 
you know, 10,000 people at City Hall. And it was just incredible, the support that I got when I went out there the year before. And then even more the second year when we got to the finals. So um, I go back and I think that, you know, after bringing the the cup back uh, to Boston, the Patriots go on to win the Super Bowl. Then, uh, you know, Red Sox win in 04, Celtics win, Bruins win. And it's just like... Uh, the floodgates just opened up. So, yeah. I, <laughs> in a jokingly way, I, I, I just give myself just a little credit for, uh, for maybe uh, just doing a little something there uh, to kind of help everybody else just go on and win championships in Boston. We've been pretty spoiled ever since. Yeah, exactly. You started the uh, decade plus of uh, duck boat parades for sure. Hey, um, you know, like you said, at this time of year, definitely makes you think about that and. It's interesting. I was, you know, I'm covering the Bruins. I've been covering them for a while, though. And this year, they've got such a young team, and they got so many young players. And you know, one of the things I've talked to the veterans about is how they convey to those youngsters, like, don't don't take any of this for granted. I mean, you don't know when you're going to be here again, whether it's the first round, the second round, third round, or the final. You, you just don't know. And obviously, you experienced stuff like that in your career. And I guess just for some of those young players out there, is that kind of the message you deliver as well? Yeah, and um, you know you're you're lucky if you get there uh, at any point of your career, but you know especially if you're a young guy and you uh, you go on to have really a nice run and a good run your first year, and it's it's an incredible uh, feeling. And then all of a sudden, five years later, you're like, okay, well I haven't gone past the first round yet. And uh, so you can't take it for granted. And you got to appreciate everything uh, that uh, when you're in the moment, you got to appreciate it, and you got to take it all in. And and uh, the veterans are, you know, always kind of there because they've been around and they know better. You know, the Bruins won, and you know, eleven, they went to the finals in thirteen, and then you know, after that, it's been kind of dry. Uh, you know, made the playoffs last year. They had, you know, some. Uh, they're positioned pretty well to get to the playoffs, uh, you know, a couple of years there and they fell short. And last year they kind of found a way to get there and they lose to Ottawa. And then you come this year and it's like, you know, I, uh, I was very surprised on, I mean, their success this year. Uh, I thought they'd be a good team, but you know, kind of one of those teams that'd be kind of fighting for a playoff spot. And next thing you right. know, they're fighting for the top spot in the Eastern conference. And that's credit to, uh, the coaching staff, uh, management, um, you know, their draft and, and the veterans playing so well and these young guys coming up and really having an impact on their success this year. So, um, and if they're going to get anywhere, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to be the same thing. The veterans are going to lead the way, but the, uh, the young guys have certainly made a difference and they've been so much fun to watch. You could just, I mean, I, I've played, so, you know, uh, the special chemistry that this team has, and that doesn't always happen. And when you have it, it's uh, it's what a feeling. Uh, they're all there for each other, and you could just see it, and it's fun to watch. You know, I think back to your two cup runs uh, to your runs to the final in Boston, '88 and '90, right? And, and I look at it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but '90 seemed more like you know you guys had been together for a bit. Yeah, you had some guys that came in via trades or whatever, but you had a core that had been building. So it, it was getting to that point, but I look at 88 is kind of, 
I don't know. It reminds me a bit of the, the Bruins right now. It's just, like you said, they looked like maybe they were a bubble team, but then they've just played so far above expectations, but they haven't taken their foot off the pedal. And I remember watching that team you had. It, it was just like that. Yeah, and I could tell you that whole um, that whole time, 87, 88, on to the early 90s, we had that chemistry. We had that feeling. Right. And it's uh, it's so much fun to come to the rink and uh, you can't wait to see your teammates. You can't wait to go on the road. You can't wait to go to battle. And it's like, uh, and you don't find that, you know, every year or all the time. And when you have, when you create that kind of atmosphere, um, you know, I got here in 79 and, you know, a lot of guys, I mean, I played with incredible veterans that really uh, taught me a lot about the game and preparation and all that stuff. But, you know, like Parkey was, took me under his wing. Then I had, you know, Jean Rattel, Jerry Cheevers and all that stuff. But that was their kind of team. And then as they drafted in the early 80s, then that became our team in the, uh, in 87, 88 to the early 90s. And it's a pretty special feeling to have, um, you know, when you're uh, among a group like that. And, of course, that 80, 87, 88 team, you, you had a goalie that uh, – I wouldn't say he came out of nowhere. I mean, he was a well-known, established goalie, but he, he just got in a zone. The salute to Lemlin. You never saw four better games than Reggie Lemlin turned in in the Nets for Boston. You know, and, and you always need that in the playoffs, obviously, as a goalie getting a zone. As you've been watching these, these games in this series against Toronto, I know the first two games – were four goal differentials. The Bruins, you know, decide, won them decidedly. But at the same time, I've been watching him carefully, Ray, and I don't know if you know, Tuca seems to have been in that zone since it started, and he's made some momentum-shifting saves, if you know what I mean. Do you, do you agree? Well, it's all timing, and it's making the save at the right moment of the game, and he certainly has done that. And, you know, he's been a great goalie for many years here in Boston, and, you know, sometimes he takes a little heat for, I don't know for what reason, because he's he's been, you know, always one of the top goalies in the league. And I'll tell you that uh, top goalie certainly makes a difference, and you got to have one to get to the finals and to win it all. So I think they got the right guy there, and he certainly has proved it so far in the playoffs. For sure. And, you know, one thing I was texting back and forth you I want to talk about and I'll bring up now is uh, – you know, they've got some young, a good mixture of youth and uh, veterans, obviously, Charlie and the way on D, but uh, a guy that's impressed me this year, and he's, he's actually reached a couple of milestones tying you a couple times, um, is Tory Krug. The Bob Krug scores! Tory Krug! And it hasn't necessarily been, to me, the milestones of the offense that we're used to from him. It's been the way he's really seemed to be on a mission to change his game and become more of a two-way player and not just as people labeled him a specialist. Have you noticed that? And if so, what have you thought of the way he's approached that? Well, I've liked him since day one, and I saw him play before he got to the Bruins during the lockout. Mm -hmm. uh, my son Christopher was in Providence. Oh, so right. him and uh, him, Tori uh, have become pretty close. They're good buddies, and I've got to know Tori and his wife, uh, over the years, and that's where it all started. They were dating, they were getting married the next summer, um, and we used to go to the games and go out for dinner after. And uh, he's a great from kid, day man. one, I was impressed with him. He's a great kid, and he's he's such a competitor. He wants to be so good. He wants to be 
an important part of the team. Uh, he's a good teammate, uh, you know, and I just, um, I love how he plays with uh, with the urgency that he plays. Yeah. Um, let it be offensively or defensively. He's always battle. He's he's not tall in stature, but he's friggin' solid. Like he's a <laughs> solid kid. Yeah. He's built. He's built strong. And uh, and you know we've we've kind of created a uh, a little relationship that every once in a while he'll text me or I'll text him uh, on a good game or whatever. Or cool. at some point in time he had you know he had a little. Uh, he was in a little funk and he, he wanted to chat. We had a nice chat at some point in time. And, um, and, and it's just fun to just watch him. And it's fun to have uh, that kind of relationship with a guy where you've met him, you know, earlier on in his career when he was playing in the minors during a lockout and then going to the Bruins and having success that he has. And you just know what type of character he's built with. And that's very, very high. So, um, I, I love his game, um, and he's he's fearless, you know, in a lot of different ways. And I like the confidence that he has in terms of how he plays the game uh, offensively uh, and defensively. He wants to be very responsible, and he does a great job. So he's, uh, he's an exciting player to watch. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned that funk. I remember like halfway through the season, a little bit after Christmas, because I was going back looking at his stats, and then I, I Googled, and I found a st- – I had forgotten – you know, he had um, he had been benched in the final, I think, like five minutes of a game against Washington. And then, you know, he missed overtime in the shootout. And afterwards, Cassidy was pretty blunt. And I'm sure he went to him before he came to us in the media. But, he, you know, he said, look, he, I, I know we can get more out of him. And that right then, the way he responded from that point on, like you said, he, he's determined and he, he wants to prove it. That showed a lot to me. And that right then, this kid's got character because he could have sulked. He could have, you know, just sort of walled in that, but he didn't. And I, I think that was a turning point for him. Yeah, he's a special player. And, uh, you know, whenever I speak to him, it's always about, hey, you're, you are special. You, do, you can do some special things. What you see, and, and at times it, something might happen. It's a game of mistakes. But you have the ability to make special plays. And you could never, never get away from that. And don't let a bad pass or a bad play or a bad shift affect the rest of your game because the next time you're out there, that's going to be there for you again, and you've got to make that play. And that's the type of confidence and the type of player he is. Yeah. And that's, that's why he's so effective. And I love that in him. And nobody could take that away from him. And I think they, they won't be able to take that away from him just because – um, you know, what he feels about his game, how he feels about himself and how he wants to affect the game. You know, he's just not playing. He wants to be a factor in the game. And it's, uh, I mean, I, I know the feeling. And uh, yeah. so every time he's out there, he wants to make something happen. And yeah, you got to know, you know, talk about, hey, the score of the game, the time of the game and what's going on. But you know that when it's time, you got to make it happen. Yeah. And uh, he does a good job of that. Yeah, and he told me, too, he loves going to, like, I asked him about the some of the records he's tied. He said, I don't care about that. He says, you know what my favorite part is? Jumping over the boards and facing off against Steven Stamkos or Blake Wheeler or Mark yeah. Shifley. You yeah. know, he goes, that, that's what I get up for. And I said, that that's the competitor right there. But, uh, you know, Ray, you're, you're around here in Boston. You're around these players. Like you said, you have a good relationship with uh, with Tori there. And I know that you're, you're still very much involved with the community. You own Tresca there. Um, and you've got your Ray Bork Foundation going. What, 
there's a lot of stuff. I've been getting these emails. I'm trying to keep up with them and still cover the playoffs. So I'm kind of, you know how it is when you're in that playoff bubble. But what do you got going on right now with the foundation? Well, we started our own uh, family, Borg Family Foundation uh, last, uh, it's probably been over a year now. And we had, uh, you know, I've had a golf tournament for many years, but, uh, you know, it was our first official event that we had last August. And what we're trying to build is like we'd have, we'd like to have three solid events a year to raise money to donate to a lot of different causes throughout New England. Uh-huh. And um, I've got a road race uh, that's coming up uh, June 9th. Uh, it's going to be held at the uh, Ferncroft Country Club, and we're going to be going through the streets and the golf course and kind of a fun little route uh, that we're going to do. It's going to be a 7.7-kilometer uh, race, and um, it's going to be uh, $40 for runners and $30 for uh, walkers, and there's going to be uh, a little uh, little food and little drinks, little entertainment after the, uh, after the event, a little cookout that we're going to have, so... It should be a lot of fun. We're, we're hoping to raise a, a lot of money for uh, for a few different causes, and uh, so we're really excited. The whole family is really excited. My uh, my kids and my wife and uh, everybody's going to be there, and um, we want to build something special to really try to make a difference. So that's uh, that's going to be our second event, and we're trying to think about a third event at some point in time. Uh, have three solid ones a year. And, and try to raise money and uh, donate it out and, and have fun doing it. So uh, I have that. And then, you know, I got the restaurant in the North End, Tresca, that's been doing really well. And we're pretty excited about uh, the Bruins and the Celtics being in the playoffs for us. That's always uh, a special time. Uh, you know, we get a lot of uh, nice little crowd before games uh-huh. um, for, for Bruins and Celtics. So uh, that's always special when we see the teams go deep a deep run in the playoffs always makes a difference so uh, we're hoping uh, both these teams get uh, you know to the finals and we'll all be happy oh for sure and you, you said that the uh the golf event on june 9th that's a that's a special day for you there that you're having that event on yeah that's a 17 <laughs> year anniversary uh i actually asked for uh i asked the hall of fame if uh, you know i'm hoping the cups in boston uh during that time because that yeah. that'd be during the Stanley Cup Finals, so I'm hoping to be able to get the cup for a couple hours, have pictures, uh, have people take pictures with. So nothing's been confirmed on that front yet. So I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Well, you, you let us know if there's anything you, you can, we can do to help you promote it for sure. Send me the info, and then uh, I saw too there was an email. I, I think I got it today or yesterday from Tresca. You doing a uh, a Cinco de Mayo event? Yeah, there's a little tequila dinner that we're going to have uh, at Tresca coming up. So uh, we always try to have, um, you know, every quarter we'll try to have a wine. Uh, we'll have people come in with different wines and different vineyards come in, and we'll have a little tasting uh, at dinner that will pair up with some really nice wines, and we have that. <clears throat> we probably had about three or four of those, and we just tried we'd do a little something different uh, because of the time of the year. Uh, so it's going to be a little tequila and a little little bite to eat, and uh, we always we always get great crowds for that. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be great. Now, now, have you been one of those athletes who's uh, dove into the uh, the wine business? I know a lot of them are doing it these days. I know David Ortiz did. Are you are you getting into that? Um, I'm actually talking to um, Drew Bledsoe. Um, and oh yeah, he's a big. We one. might want to try to. Yeah, we might want to try to come up with something special for the restaurant with something to do with 
uh, with me and uh, I don't know, maybe some sevens involved in there somehow, some way. Uh, so we're, uh, we're talking and we're supposed to uh, get together at some point in time here um, in the fall. Oh, that's great. That's great. Hey, before I let you go too, Ray, I didn't even, you know, I don't think I got to tell you, I was living up in Montreal for two seasons from uh, 13 to 15 and I lived in Ville Saint Laurent. That's my hometown right there. I know. I was yeah. right. I was about four blocks away from, uh, from the rink there. I know. From the rink. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's where I went to school right next door. That big, ugly, uh, blue building. Yep. Yep. That was my high school. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. You know, well, it's, it's pretty funny that uh, that place uh, is a special place. I met uh, I met somebody who was very important in my life when I was 14 years old. My high school gym teacher that uh, was named Benoit Edzuk, and um, he was a, he had his own track and field team uh, in Montreal. He went to two Olympics as a middle distance coach for the Canadian Olympic team in Seoul and LA. Okay. He ended up. He started training me at the age of 16 until the day I retired. He's my very best friend up to uh, today. And he's and, still there? Um, so I have, well, he's not there anymore, but the rink is named after me. And the track, the track next to the school is named after him. So it's, uh, we, we really like, uh, we, we feel that's a special place for uh, the two of us right there. We're right next to each other where the track uh, is named after him and the rink after me. So um, it's pretty cool. That's good. And it was interesting because, you know, when I was up there, I didn't realize how many Bruins fans there are in Montreal. You would kind of, you wouldn't imagine that with the rivalry oh, yeah. with the Canadians, but man, they were everywhere. And, yeah. you know, that was my age group. I'm 43. So the, the sort of the age group I fell in with the friends I made up there. I mean, you know, you were the guy that would come up all the time. So. Yeah, well, they, uh, yeah, they like their hometown guys and, you know, even regardless of uh, where they play, they, uh, they hope they do well, and you know, um, it's it's a great town. It's a special town, and uh, you know, I was pretty lucky growing up in a town that uh, made a young kid dream about playing in the NHL someday. So, I remember in my Hall of Fame speech, I thanked the Canadians for uh, really inspiring a young kid uh, yeah. to do some uh, fun stuff. Who was the guy? Who was the guy you looked up to the most in the Canadians? I like the big three. I like Robinson, Savard, and, and Lapointe. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I was pretty lucky uh, watching those guys play, uh, so cool. you know, their whole career in Montreal. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, listen, Ray, we appreciate you taking the time and uh, I hope to see you around the rink during the playoffs. And then, like I said, I'll, uh, I'll shoot you my info, get me whatever you can. And we'll, we'll put that up on our website on CLNS media. Right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. That's Ray Bork joining me here on the Bruins beat on CLNS media. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll talk to you next week. Joe Sackick will come out to receive it as captain. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22.